Chapter Twenty Two of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two, Two Letters. Shortly after Grace returned to her room, Emma joined her. Where did you go? You were not the only one whose correspondence rose nobly to the occasion. She exulted, holding up several letters. You haven't read yours yet, have you? Let's get ready for bed, put on our dressing gowns, and have a letter-reading orgy. All right, agreed Grace. I've already opened one of mine. It was from Anne. She sends her love to you. And what do you think, Emma? Grace lowered her voice. She has secured a New York engagement for Evelyn Ward. I saw Miss Ward tonight, but something is troubling her. When I went to the door to tell her what Anne had done, she began to cry. I couldn't find out what ailed her and the more I talked, the harder she cried. She said, however, that she couldn't accept Anne's offer. She thinks she won't come back to Overton. Happy Overton, commented Emma unsympathetically. Now hurry into your dressing gown and let's begin our letters. Evelyn appeared at breakfast the next morning, looking weary and haggard. Her face was very pale, and her eyes were heavy. By night, however, she seemed to have regained something of her old poise. Covertly watching her, Grace noticed that for some unknown reason she was much subdued. Several days afterward she came to Grace and finally refused Anne's offer. "'But are you quite certain that you are acting wisely, Miss Ward?' Grace asked in perplexed amazement. "'Last winter you were anxious to go into dramatic work.' "'I have changed my mind,' was Evelyn's sole reply." Grace wrote to Anne advising her of Evelyn's refusal, but adding that she wished Anne would keep Evelyn in mind. I can't help feeling that she is acting against her real desires, and that later she will realise her mistake. The little that was left of April passed quickly. Life went on placidly enough at Harlow House, although Grace found few idle moments. With the first of June, she began a detailed report of her year's work to be presented to the faculty and to Mrs. Gray. This report had not been required of her. She was making it merely for her own satisfaction. With her it was a matter of pride in having been a faithful steward. She had tried to safeguard not only the interests of the girls under her roof, but Mrs. Gray's interests as well. "'I hope I've been a good house, mother,' she murmured wistfully. As seated in her office one bright Friday afternoon, she worked on her report. The ring of the postman caused her to lay down her pen and hurry into the hall. To her surprise, she saw Evelyn Ward had forestalled her. She had opened the door before the postman, and now stood rapidly going over the pile of letters in her hand. Grace saw her separate two letters from the pile. At this instant, Evelyn glanced up. She uttered a sharp exclamation of surprise when she saw Grace standing beside her. Two letters fell from her hands. Grace stood to pick them up. Did I startle you, Miss Ward? I did not mean to. I did not know you were in the house. I thought the girls had gone to their classes. I, I, I'm late, stammered Evelyn. I'm going to my botany recitation in a minute. I accepted a letter. Here is the mail. She thrust the letter she had been holding into Grace's hand, and turning, almost ran up the stairs. For an instant Grace's eyes followed Evelyn's disappearing figure, 
Then she turned her attention to the letters. She still held the two she had picked up from the floor in her one hand. Glancing at them, she saw that they were both addressed to her. No doubt Evelyn had intended to leave them on her desk. Rapidly sorting the other letters, she found another for herself in Anne's handwriting. Placing the letters from the various members of the household in the bulletin board, Grace returned to her office to read Anne's letter. Dearest Grace, just a line to tell you that the part in the reckoning is still open. Mr. Forrest cannot find the type of girl he wishes for the part. She must be dazzling, but naturally blonde and very beautiful. I am sure if he were to see Miss Ward he would engage her at once, even though she has had no dramatic experience. Why not let her read this note? Perhaps she may change her mind. She will never have a better opportunity. I am ready and willing to help her. I am writing in a rush. It is almost time for me to go on. With much love, we'll write more fully later. Yours as ever, Anne. Grace laid down the letter with a slight frown. Since Evelyn's first refusal to consider Anne's proposal, Grace had held little communication with her. Of late, Evelyn had gone about her affairs in a curious air of repression, which reminded Grace of the terrible calm that so often precedes the storm. "'I'll watch for her when she comes in from her classes and give her Anne's letter,' said Grace half aloud. She picked up the next envelope and looked curiously at the unfamiliar writing. The postmark was all but obliterated. Tearing the envelope, she drew forth the letter, unfolded it, and read, "'Dear Miss Harlowe, more than once I have planned to write and thank you for your goodness to Evelyn, but I have been so very busy that the time has slipped by faster than I realised. Fortunately for Evelyn and me, I have had a great deal of work to do, and have been in exceptionally good health, so that it has been easier than I thought to raise the money to pay her college fees. I will enclose the second payment of her fee in a letter which I am writing to her. I have mentioned in my letter to her that I have written to you. I thank you many times for your goodness to my little sister, and trust that she has been truly appreciative of your kindness to her. Trusting that you have been well, and that you have met with the greatest success in your year's work, with grateful thanks and best wishes, yours sincerely, Ida Ward. Grace read the letter through three times. When she raised her eyes from it, her face wore an expression of mingled horrified suspicion and unbelief. Surely it could not be possible, and yet, before her mental eyes, flashed the vision of that wet January afternoon when she had come back to Harlow House from her Christmas vacation, and had been greeted by the sound of Evelyn's sobs as she passed her door. How she had gone into Evelyn's room, and there heard the pitiful story of Ida Ward's illness and her failure to send Evelyn's college fees, and of how, through the Semper Fidelis Fund, she had come forward and bridged Evelyn's difficulty. What did it mean? She must have, muttered Grace. In her agitation she spoke aloud. Then she stopped abruptly. She would not condemn Evelyn without a hearing. But Evelyn would have to explain, if explanation was possible. She laid the letter on her desk, and turning away from it tore open the last envelope which bore the name of a business house in one corner. It contained a bill from Hanford's, the largest department store in Overton. At the bottom was written, This account is long overdue. Please remit at once. 
Grace had a charge account at Hanford's on which occasionally she allowed certain girls in the house to buy goods, merely as a matter of accommodation to them. Her gaze travelled down the list of items in bewilderment. Why? she exclaimed. I never bought a gown there that cost seventy-five dollars, or silk stockings, or a scarf. There must be some mistake. I know that none of the girls have, either. I haven't bought anything since February. Let me see. It's only three o'clock. I think I'll walk down to Hanford's and have the matter adjusted. I must see Evelyn, too, as soon as she comes in. Grace went upstairs for her hat, and was soon on her way to the business centre of Overton. Her impatience to learn the truth received its first check with the indifferent assurance of the clerk that Mr. Anderson, the man in charge of the Department of Accounts, was busy upstairs. Then I'll wait for him. With a sigh of resignation, she sat down on the oak seat just outside the office window to wait. It was twenty minutes past four when Mr. Anderson appeared. I can't let you know about this at once, was the accountant's discouraging response when Grace laid the matter before him. We'll take it up with the saleswoman, then write you. Very well. I shall expect to hear from you within the next three days. Grace turned away, far from satisfied. Yet there was nothing else to do. Long since she had learned that the system employ of a department store is a law unto itself and as unchangeable in his methods as the most stubborn Mede or Persian ever dreamed of being. And now for her interview with Evelyn. How could she best approach the girl whom she suspected of having first shamefully betrayed her sister's confidence, then purposely misrepresented matters to her? And what had Evelyn done with the money? These and similar painful questions occupied her thoughts so fully that she did not realise that she had reached Hollow House until she found herself ascending the front steps. Without giving herself time to consider delaying the disagreeable interview, Grace hurried up the stairs. To her surprise, Evelyn's door stood partially open. She peered into the room, but it was empty of an occupant. Stepping aside, she glanced about her. Evelyn's hat was gone. She had come in from her classes and gone out again. Grace went slowly downstairs. She was sorry that she had not been able to have her talk with Evelyn before the others came in from their day's recitations. She decided to wait until after dinner. When Evelyn went to her room she would follow her there. The longer she delayed facing Evelyn with her sister's letter, the harder the task would become. But at dinner time Evelyn's place was vacant. At ten o'clock that night she had not come in. Becoming alarmed, Grace telephoned to Althea Parker to know if Evelyn were with her. In reply to her anxious inquiry, Althea declared she had not seen Evelyn for two days. Uncertain as to the wisest course to pursue, Grace concluded to wait until Emma came in from an evening's visit with Patience Elliot. It was almost eleven o'clock when Emma returned. "'I'm so glad you've come.' greeted Grace as her friend entered their room. Evelyn Ward hasn't come in yet and I'm worried about her. I saw her this afternoon, but she hasn't been here since then. Very likely she is with Miss Parker. Emma spoke in an unconcerned tone. No, she isn't. I telephoned Miss Parker. She hasn't seen Evelyn for two days. She hasn't? Emma glanced at Grace in surprise. The ring of anxiety in Grace's voice had not been lost upon her. "'What's happened, Gracious?' she asked. For answer, Grace handed Ida Ward's letter to Emma. 
Read it, she commanded. Emma read the letter. Do you think, she began. What do you think, interrupted Grace. What can one think? Evelyn received her letter from Ida Ward before I received this. She knew that this letter was on the way. This afternoon I found her at the door sorting the mail. She had two letters in one hand, which she had separated from the others. When she saw me, she dropped the two. I stooped to pick them up. Both of them were for me. I said, Did I startle you, Miss Ward? And she stammered something about expecting a letter. She shoved the other letters into my hands and ran upstairs. I haven't seen her since. Who was the other letter from that she had picked out? Oh, it was a bill from Hanford's. I... Grace stopped short and stared at Emma. A horrible suspicion had seized her. She was afraid that she now understood the meaning of the bill she had received. In one of those curious, illumining flashes, which sometimes reveal in an instant what seems hopelessly obscure, she had hit upon the truth. Briefly she outlined the situation to Emma, who had long been her confidant. "'You'd better let matters rest till tomorrow,' advised Emma. "'It's too late to try to find her tonight. We would only create comment and arouse suspicion if we telephoned to the houses where her friends live. It wouldn't surprise me if she has left Overton for good and all.' We must find her, declared Grace with decision. What will you do if you do find her? I don't know. That will depend entirely upon her. You are right, though, about waiting until morning. We must protect her from the consequences of her own foolishness. For she isn't wicked, Emma. She has been carried away by the vanity and love of dress. Perhaps if we gave her another chance she would live all this down and be a different girl. Perhaps... Emma's tone was sceptical. For the sake of the community at large, let us hope for this much-to-be-desired metamorphosis. But the next morning brought news of Evelyn in the shape of a letter addressed to Grace, which came on the first delivery of the mail for the day. With eager fingers Grace opened it. A slip of blue paper fluttered to the floor as she unfolded it. Picking it up she saw it was a money order made payable to Evelyn Ward, then she read, Dear Miss Harlowe, When you receive this letter I shall be far away from Harlowe House. I have done dreadful things and I cannot face you. All I can do is to go away where no one knows me and begin over again. I used the money I had sent me in the fall for my college fees to buy an evening dress. Then I told you that she was ill. I cried purposely to gain your sympathy because I knew about the Semper Fidelis Fund and was sure you would help me. I meant to pay it all back to you, and so I am going to New York to get work and do it, even though it takes me a long, long time. But there is something still more dreadful to tell you. I wanted another new evening gown to wear to the Wilston dance. I'd paid my college fees for the year, so I thought I could take the money that Ida sent me for my payment and buy a gown and other things which I wanted. But Ida wrote and said that she couldn't send the money just then, so I went to Hanford's department store and bought the things. I had them charged to your account. When the bill came I was terribly frightened. I thought they wouldn't send it for a long time. I just happened to see it in the bulletin board, so I took it out and tore it up. Then I went to Mary Reynolds and tried to get her to lend me some of the treasury money until my money came, but she wouldn't do it. That is why she cried so often. When the first of May came I watched the bulletin board and took the bill again. It had Hanford's address in one corner, so I knew it. 
All the time I kept hoping that Ida would send me my money before it was too late. Yesterday morning it came, but in her letter she said she had written to you and told you how well she had been and about her work. I knew it would be dreadful for me if you received her letter, but I did not know when it would come, so I stayed away from my classes and watched the mail. I had the letter from Ida and the bill from the store in my hands when you surprised me this afternoon. You picked them up before I had a chance to do so. Then I knew that there was just one thing to do, and that was to go away. Please take the money order and pay the bill at the store. I will pay Semper Fidelis as soon as I can. I will write Ida and tell her how badly I have behaved, and when I go to work in New York I will send for my trunk. It is packed and ready to be shipped. Forgive me if you can. I am sorry for everything. I wish I had been different. Good-bye and thank you for your great kindness to me. I did not deserve it. Please don't try to find me. Penitentially, Evelyn Ward For a time Grace sat at her desk with the letter in her hand. Then she stood up with the air of one who has come to a definite decision. I'll go to New York City today to look for her, she said half aloud. I believe she will try to get work at one of the theatres. Mr. Southard and Anne will help me find her. She must come back to Overton. I feel sure that she has suffered enough over this trouble to have learned her lesson. Grace ran upstairs and burst into her room with, Emma, Evelyn has gone to New York. I'm going to take the next train there. Read this letter. It will tell you everything. I haven't time. I must make that 9.15 train. Grace was in the middle of a hasty toilet when a knock sounded on the door. Emma answered it. Here's a telegram from Miss Harlowe. The maid held out a yellow envelope. Grace tore it open. One glance at the telegram, and she began a joyful dance about the room, waving it over her head. Hurrah for Kathleen West! She's found Evelyn. Read it! She held the telegram before Emma's eyes. Evelyn with me. Return Overton Sunday. All well. Kathleen, read Emma aloud. Turning to Grace, she quoted with whimsical tenderness, To Kathleen West, girls, drink her down. Then with twinkling eyes, she added, There's only one thing that I can say to express my sentiments, and with my sincerest apologies to the August faculty, which trustfully engaged me to teach English, I say with heartfelt father, Can you beat it? End of chapter 22